So I think the best place to start really is by looking at all of the processes within your business for both your client work and your own work. Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 87. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. Everyone's getting sort of more interested in being able to outsource bits of their work and delegate. I'm not surprised all this content we're supposed to be creating. Mm -hmm. It's hard work. Like when we look at what we're doing, we're like, how can we possibly do this without having other people on the team? Yeah. And content marketing feels like a difficult thing to pass over to somebody else. Because how do you find somebody who can write with your voice? And how do you find somebody who can do all the posting and the commenting and the engagement? And I think the reason that comes around, Rob, is because we've all tried to outsource stuff for cheap and we've had content written. It comes back and it's just bland and crap. Right. It's very samey. It's (laughs) very just like copy and paste. Hey, this is Rob and Kennedy Hello. from Response Suite. This week, we're chatting to Natalie Haley, our Natalie. pal. Oh, she is. What, what a lovely lass. And actually, we were lucky, lucky enough to be guests on Natalie's podcast. Yeah, as well. Episode 43 of Natalie's podcast. You can go and check that out and hear what our blather was about. Yes, her podcast, you should definitely go and check it out, by the way. It's really good. It's called the Hot Content Podcast. And Natalie's absolutely lush. And she'll interview some really good people and us. <laughs> we were there as well. We were there too. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, we're talking about sort of delegating, outsourcing, building a team around you who can take care of your content. And the most important thing is which bits you should not outsource. We're definitely, we definitely, we take, we take that on sort of head on, don't we? we right. sort of, what has to be you? And that's one of those things that I constantly ask, does it absolutely positively have to be me, have to be you that does this? If not, can we create a process that allows other people to do it? Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Now, one of the things that is uh, actually quite difficult to outsource, but does get done is email marketing. It's yes. something that we've been obsessed with for ages and obsessed. ages and ages. Really interested in it. Love the idea that we can write out an email, send it out to our list and make more sales. So we actually have started, drum roll, a new podcast about it. Huzzah! <laughs> we've been going for a while now. The feedback's been amazing and we are loving recording it. It's called the Email Marketing Show. So you can literally just search Email Marketing Show on your favorite podcast player. Go and check it out there. Of course, there's also a video version of that podcast on YouTube. So you can go and watch it there if you like as well. It's another weekly show just like this one with a totally different format. We alternate every week between two different formats. The first week, it's always Rob and I talking about some specific area of email marketing, an application of email marketing, a strategic thing, a tactical thing, maybe a technical thing. We talk about the whole gambit of email marketing as it works today, not the old school way. And then on the next week, we interview a guest expert who might be a technical guest expert, someone who's, you probably have heard of. We are, we are interviewing, we will be interviewing more really big names in marketing about it. But one of our real goals with the email marketing show is to share with you what people are doing in their business. So they're going to have, they have successful businesses and we want to know what's the part that email marketing plays in that business. If you want to listen in as we have these amazing conversations, then do check out the email marketing show. And if you want to get involved in the show, pose your email marketing questions to Rob and I, head over to blog.responsesuite.com slash show and record us a little voicemail. We'll play it out just like you're on the radio and answer your questions. Mm. But before we get into Natalie, episode this week, I want to go over to Rob's quote of the week. Yes, because as they say, red is the colour, green is the feeling. Yeah, it is. Red is the colour, green is the feeling. Mm -hmm. Feeling great, man. Yeah, now I have to say, I'm, I'm very sorry to tell you that there is no quote of the week in the new podcast. So, you hear that silence? So you're not That's gonna... the silence of how much people care. That's not, that's not even booing. There's <laughs> not, not even no booing. booing. So without further ado, let's go and chat to Natalie. 
Hey, Natalie, welcome to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Good to be here. Excited to have you. Dead excited to have you here. A lot of us are doing some kind of content marketing. We know that you're obviously obsessed with content marketing, helping people really leverage their content marketing, but also free up their time. And one of the things that we've all got to do is, well, look, we all know creating content, whether you're blogging or you're doing a podcast or you're doing a YouTube channel, whatever kind of content you're doing, it's really time consuming. And one of the things we know we should all be doing is getting somebody else to be involved in that process. Before we can get really into doing that, it's really, for, for most of us, it really is our baby. They're like, oh, but it needs to be in my voice and it really needs to be me because I'm the expert and that's the reason I set up this whole business in the first place. So where can we start sort of looking around, Natalie, at the thing, what, what is the perfect piece of content to outsource first? Mm. Um, okay, well, so first of all, it's a decision that you've got to make in terms of whether you outsource some client work uh, or whether you outsource some of your own marketing um, or some of your own content. So perhaps you produce a weekly blog or a podcast, and it's quite labor-intensive, as we quite know, as we all know. Um, so that's the first key decision, the client work or your own marketing. Um, now, obviously, with the, the client side of things, people are often more reluctant to outsource client work because there's this fear of the quality of work going down, the loss of control, how will the client feel if you outsource some of that of, of their work. Um, so there's a few things that people often have to get over there, but really it's, um, it's a mindset thing. Um, I think in terms of once you've made the decision, whether you outsource client work or your own marketing or content creation, I think it's about looking at the things that take you time, but that it absolutely doesn't have to be you doing. So it's about realizing over time where your strengths lie and what aspects of your business have to be done by you or your content creation has to be done by you and working out those bits that could easily be done by somebody else. So I think the best place to start really is by looking at all of the processes within your business for both your client work and your own work and literally just taking either an A4 piece of paper or you know a spreadsheet and writing down everything you do and just start ticking the things which could be done by somebody else. Um, and, and that's a great place to start. I never would have thought about considering outsourcing the client work. So my brain's buzzing going, mm. that's quite interesting. Of course you can, of course, of course you can. But I would never have thought of doing it. One mm. of the dangers, of course, with starting to outsource content is that you can uh, be at risk of losing the sort of personality and the voice, especially if you're a sort of solopreneur type, you know, where you are the brand and the face and the voice of your business. Now, yeah. there's some bits of content where that's going to be more heavily reflected than others. For example, you might say, well, I've got a YouTube channel. I definitely can't outsource the recording of the video because it's got to have my face and my voice. But mm -hmm. I could outsource the editing and all of the stuff that doesn't require it to be me. However, writing social media, well, the tricky mm -hmm. bit there is that's sort of hard to outsource without losing that that personality. So I guess the first question is, is there a way that we can outsource that type of content, that personality driven content in a way that doesn't lose our sense of character and the type mm -hmm. of wording that we have? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm always going to say yes, because I do this for clients. Um, so I am slightly biased. However, I'm a very honest person. And what I would actually say is that it's absolutely possible. It comes down to really two things. So the first thing, obviously, that is crucial is 
to find the right person, to outsource that content to the right person. Now, of course, that in itself is a whole other podcast episode. Mm-hmm. How do you find that person? But I'm sure we will touch on that at some point. But it's finding that person who, um, you know, is experienced, who understands content marketing, who understands your goals and what you're trying to achieve, who understands your audience. Um, once you found that person, it really only then comes down to your brief. So I firmly believe if you have the right person, you can, with the, the right brief, a really detailed brief, um, absolutely maintain your tone of voice and your personality throughout all of your content, whether it's a blog, um, whether it's simply the description for the video, a video in your YouTube channel, or whether it's um, social media posts. Absolutely. It just comes down to being really clear yourself, getting really clear on what makes your social media posts different, what makes the emails to your subscribers different, um, and beginning to put together maybe a style guide. That's a good place to start. Mm. Um, so are there any sort of particular, um, you know, grammatical things that you do? It doesn't have anywhere near that detail, but perhaps there are certain phrases that you use or are known for, certain words that you use. Is your tone more formal, informal? Um, do you use emojis? Do you have jokes with people? Um, or you, you know, however it is that you normally speak to your audience, it's mm-hmm. about trying to get that across to your content manager and also providing them with as much previous content as possible. So yes, the person that you choose to outsource to may well have listened to many episodes of your podcast, may well have read many of your blogs and mm-hmm. seen you all over social media. Um, but just making sure that you provide examples of each type of content. Um, the other thing that actually a really great tip that I've got here, which has actually worked for me personally really, really well. Um, for example, so we are going quite, quite specific here. Um, one of the things that in my experience, it's hardest, um, to outsource is people's, is your email broadcast to subscribers. Right. Because it's quite a personal form of contact, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, so that is, is one particular challenge, um, is how to maintain your tone of voice throughout your emails and for people to still to feel when they open your emails that it's you that's, that's talking to them. Yeah. So um, a great part of a brief um, for outsourcing things like emails is to actually record a speech bubble or a little audio or a little video using Loom or Vidyard or something like that just to say, these are my thoughts for this particular email. So for example, I've done a video, a YouTube video about such and such a topic. In the email, this is the point I want to pull out. This this is what I think is the hook. This is what I think is interesting about it and is what's going to make people want to actually click on the link to the video in the email. Can you focus the email around this? That sounds um, really interesting. What would you say to somebody who thinks, well, for example, for me, I, I thought about doing exactly that or, or when I'm making a training or something, just like or writing a newsletter article like just recording it. and then my brain's always gone to well if I want to spend the time to record it why don't I just spend that time sitting writing it out yeah interesting well like this is what I first thought when I request so, so it came about because um with one particular client um we were really trying to nail his tone of voice and when I thought about this getting hit asking him to to do this like a video or audio I thought yeah the whole idea is like you say you don't want them to spend any more time but actually the videos that he sends are 
if I'm lucky, 30 seconds long. Okay. Because he's already recorded his YouTube videos, he's spent all that time scripting his video, he's spent all his time recording it, he edits his own videos. So he's already spent a lot of time with that content. So that that thought process, those those nuggets, those little gems he you know puts in these videos are already in his head. He's not having to spend the time thinking, right, how would I approach this? Because chances are he's already been thinking about it whilst he's recorded the video, whilst he's on a, a flight somewhere, um, whilst he's traveling around, whatever it is, it just takes a few seconds to get it out of his head into a video and onto me. So, so it sounds a yeah. lot more like it's, it's really about finding somebody to repurpose content rather than it is to create from scratch. Is, am I getting the right wavelength there? Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's there's numerous ways of doing it, um, but I think yeah, the, the the content creation side of it, yes, it's as important to give um, a solid brief as it is with somebody who's who's repurposing it. But either way, it's it is still perfectly possible with that right brief and and the, the right fit to to keep your personality and your tone of voice throughout all of your content. I think what's really interesting here, and just to sort of pull something out of that that, yeah. that, that resonates with me, is there's a lot of the time. So when Kennedy and I aren't in the same room for whatever reason, because one of us is traveling or working from home that day or whatever, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll grab uh, WhatsApp to send a message. Yeah. And as I'm typing the first couple of sentences, I think, oh, this is a bit wordy. I'll tell you what, I'll just delete and I send a voice message, mm-hmm. which yeah. is much more sort of colloquial, if you like. It's much more informal. It yeah, we really get my voice message more than anything else. And what you get out of that is you hear the way I wanted it to be said, you hear all of the stuff, you hear my exact intonation, you hear everything, that then a professional writer, content creator, can now take and turn that into what might turn a 30-second message into a 10-paragraph blog post. Or in your case, it takes a two-hour message and turns it into 100 words. Well, exactly, because I talk a lot. So that's, so that's an easy way to look at it, actually. So that, that makes a lot of sense. That is really interesting. So it, we're going to go out there. We've, we've sort of currently got our content marketing plan that we're doing mm-hmm. ourselves, and it's time mm-hmm. to start offloading some of that to other people. Where, where are the good places and... conversely, the bad places to go and find somebody to do this work? Okay, well, um, my first port of call is always, um, and in fact, I can't really think of a client who's ever come to me that hasn't come this way, is through word of mouth. So if you are looking for somebody to outsource content to, without doubt, the first thing you should do is reach out to your network to... um, you know, people in membership communities, you're Whack part of. Do you know what? Whack I it have, on LinkedIn. I, I have. I outsource a lot of stuff, you know, beyond content. Mm. And I have never particularly thought of just posting saying, does anyone know somebody who's really good at this? Oh, God. I, joke. I, I always go straight to the obvious outsource networks, you know, your freelancers.com and all that uh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No. Do you know what I would say, even sort of more specifically than just putting something on social media, is particularly if you are part of a membership community, um, they will normally have a forum, a Facebook group where people, you know, spend time getting to know each other and, and conversing. And that is the best place. Um, chances are there will be somebody who does what it is you're looking for within that community. Um, I know myself, I have been a member of a few of different online marketing communities over um, over the course of the, the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that I'm a member of now, which is Andrew and Pete's um, Atomic Community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like that are happening in there all the time. Somebody putting a post out there saying, does anybody create blog posts from scratch? Does anybody, you know, edit um, podcast episodes or whatever it is? absolutely the best way is to post within those communities and chances are you'll find somebody that's already in that community if not 
um, people will recommend other people that they've used. But yeah, I think um, you'd be very unlucky not to to at least get a few phone calls with people to explore potential options by by doing that. And okay. then beyond that, obviously, there are other things that, that you've mentioned is is looking on the um, you know the free the freelance platforms. Um, but yeah, I do think just word of mouth is always the best, the best way. That's really, really interesting. Also big, big up to uh, Andrew and Pete. We interviewed them mm. all the way back on episode 11. So if anybody hasn't heard that one, we did talk content marketing with those guys. So head back uh, and listen to that one. You'll find the, uh, the show notes and all that stuff over at blog.responsibly.com slash zero one one. But wanna, I want to talk to you a bit about how do you decide whether to go with like an agency, a company to do this outsourcing stuff versus finding like an individual? Like what are the, what are the sort of pros and cons we should be aware of when we're looking at that outsourcing? Hmm. I think it has to be, um, I think it has to be whatever feels like a good fit for you. But obviously, um, even when you use the term agency, um, you can when I think when I say the word agency, I think of you know huge offices, physical offices with you know tens of, of staff. But actually, so many businesses now are becoming agencies. So myself, for example, um, I it is me, but I have a virtual team around me who works with me on my own work and my client work. So I guess in a sense, you could say that's an agency. But people who I'm working with are always working with me. I'm the the primary point of contact. So it feels very much like you're working with an individual, if that makes sense. Um, And I think that's perhaps what puts some people off working with an agency in the sort of more um, you know, formal sense of, of that that word um, is that you'll lose that personal touch. You may not know who you'll be dealing with and that kind of thing. But I think it's important to bear in mind that you you can still get that personal touch with um, you know with an agency. Um, you know that said, working with an individual freelancer, um, I suppose the, the the pro sometimes with that can be that you will get a more reasonable rate potentially. Um, because it is just one person and they're not then having to pass that work on to somebody else and, and add a little bit margin on top. So that's definitely something to bear in mind. Um, but I think the thing is with working with an agency, one of the, the main pros is that you will tend to find that there are people that have been pulled together based on their specific um, skill skill set. So whereas if you work with an individual, that all the different skills in terms of content creation, repurposing, you know, whatever it is you're looking for have to be in that one person. You very rarely find all of the things you need in one human being. Um, whereas with an agency, often you'll get people all working together for one person or one project or one piece of content. Um, and they are the best at what they do. So, you know, for example, if I'm working on a, a YouTube video um, for a client, helping them publish it and repurpose it, there'll be a graphic designer working with me on that team because that's what they do best. Um, there'll be, you know, a copywriter, um, somebody who specializes in the optimization, the SEO side of things. You see what I mean? So it doesn't always have to be in one one individual person. I think that's the probably the main um, advantage of, of working with the agency style. Hmm. 
This is cool. Now, when it comes to actually starting this process now, and you know, you get that recommendation either for an individual or for an agency. Now it's time to sort of dig in and find out, okay, great. They did a great job for my friend over there, but can they do a great job for me? Is their style, is everything they do going to be able to pick up on my business and, and my brand and what I do? What are those first kind of questions that we should be asking in order to try and get rid of the ones who absolutely can't do the job for whatever reason and make sure this is going to be absolutely the right fit? Well, do you know what I would look out for, um, first of all, is particularly if we're talking about outsourcing anything to do with marketing or you know, content marketing or content mm-hmm. creation, is, is that person creating content of their own? So if they're not, I would question whether they, A, understand the importance of content marketing in the first place, and B, whether even if they do understand the importance of it, how sort of not qualified in a literal sense, but how qualified are they to actually do that for somebody else? To a certain um, extent, I, to a certain extent, I suppose what you're looking for here is that this is where the difference would come in between outsourcing to somebody who is a content marketer, yeah. as opposed to outsourcing to somebody who can do some content as a as a yeah. you know, in the middle of the raft of other things that they might offer. So Definitely. it sounds like what you're looking for here is let's make sure that you're actually outsourcing this to someone who is a content marketing person, as yes. opposed to somebody who sort of knows about content marketing and is willing to do it. Yeah, I think that's it. It's looking for somebody who can see the bigger picture and help help you pull it all together. Um, and somebody that's, yeah, practicing kind of what they preach. So do they have their own blog? Are they doing a podcast or do they have a YouTube channel? Um, you know, they would be really good signs for me if I was looking to outsource content. And Natalie, yeah. there's, a, there's obviously the press and all media is shrinking in its size, which means we now have loads and loads, hundreds and hundreds of journalists, so recovering journalists, who've now left the press, who are now set up as PR companies. Do those people tend to make good content people? Or is there a bit of a divide there? Is that a yes or is it a no? Um, I don't think it's a clear cut answer um i think it it depends on the individual and i think you know people who have come from industries like that definitely have a a sound basis um in a lot of areas Mm -hmm. um again i don't think just because you've been a journalist um necessarily means you immediately get and can advise and and help clients drive themselves forward and their brands forward with content marketing so i guess it just depends how heavily they've invested in um getting up to speed with the industry once they've kind of, um, you know, left their previous, um, previous profession, really. That's really, this sounds like a really good place to take a little break from, from going so deep on this stuff to play our first of the two games of this episode. And since we're talking about outsourcing, (laughs) our really tenuous link into this game is to do with outsourcing. And Rob's about to describe 10 different sources (laughs) to you <laughs> and he's going to try and describe from one through to ten without naming the sauce so he can name the food that goes with it or the ingredients in it and we're going to see how many you can get it out, out of ten yeah. wow yeah. amazing alright here ready? we go this is outsourcing are we on a timer here no we? we're not on a timer okay. ready okay yeah, great go. so this is something most people would have with like fish and chips or on the fish uh, it is white coloured. Um, salt. Uh, no, it's, it's, it is a sauce. Oh, it's got to be a sauce. Right, okay. Uh, they have it on fish. It's white coloured. It sounds like another word for bye bye. No, it doesn't. It does. You might okay, say bye bye. I'm going to okay, we'll move, move on. on. That was tart the, the sauce. N- the next yes! one. 
ta ta ta. Uh, the next one is uh, yellow, a sort of uh, a yellowy color. Uh, you'd have it on uh, probably on a hot dog. Uh, or Are you getting burger. this, Natalie? Have you got it? I think it? you'll find it's mustard. It That's is. Well one. done. This Good. is usually used on lamb. It's green in color and it's... Mint delicious. sauce. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the next one is going to be... Uh, it's it's red. It goes on a burger. Um, Tomato ketchup. That's the one. Have you missed this one? Yeah, I don't know. Because I, I can't describe that. I've never well, had it. Well, it's you a, a flavor of crisps, isn't it? It is a flavor of crisps. They're usually purple, the packet of those crisps. Oh, yeah. Worcester sauce. That's yes, the one. that's the one. This is right a, a, a in between two slices of buttered bread. Is it really? Yeah, amazing. This, wow. This is popular on steaks. It's a brown colour and is... It's creamy. It is creamy, yes. It's got uh, little uh, spherical pieces in it. Yeah. A bit like one of those shower gels with the bits in. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like that. Just like a, a scrub type yeah. sauce. No. Okay, it was well, peppercorn. Gonna, oh, okay, right. This, okay, is, yeah. this is something that you have on ice cream up here in the Northeast. I don't know about other parts of the country, but it's, it's referred to as monkey's blood. Uh, it's red and it goes on ice cream. Oh, raspberry sauce? I've no idea. Sure, yeah, raspberry sauce. It, yeah, that, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you take this no, one. No, no, absolutely not. This was, <laughs> I put this in there just for you, Rob. I have no idea what that is. Uh, so it's the first half of the word is named after an animal that people ride on uh, in the Grand National. <laughs> <laughs> is it horseradish? It is horseradish. Yes. I'm glad you got it because I, I didn't know how to describe what kind <laughs> um, <laughs> This is my favorite sauce from McDonald's, as it happens. This one is uh, it's two different flavors in one sauce, and they sort of contradict each other in their mm -hmm. name. Mm -hmm. um, Popular in Chinese cooking. Yes. <laughs> and you usually have it with like chicken or pork. Yeah. The second word I can't do rhymes with, that's not allowed. Um, <laughs> Okay, it was sweet and sour. Barbecue sauce. Oh, it no. was sweet and sour. And the last one, very popular in America, sort of Texan kind of flavour. It's uh, good. It goes in Hunter's Chicken. Mm, no. And you almost just said it for the last one. <laughs> oh, barbecue sauce. Yes, there, we barbecue. Yes. Yeah, there we go. There we go. That's not bad at all. I think I was a, I was a solid eight. Out of eight out of ten. I'll take that. Well done. Yes, you are very saucy. So, <laughs> so back to this outsourcing awesome. content, Malarkey, instead of sources. Colin in our office is shaking his head in despair that this is. He's the thinking thing. this is my I job. I think he's about to hand in his notice. I was <laughs> wondering what you were going to do for my bespoke game. That's what it was. You were so do. disappointed, weren't you? Yeah, <laughs> that was great. So back to this outsourcing content thing. Mm. At what point do you sort of like when you're systemizing the proof? process of outsourcing of the, the content you're outsourcing at what point do you sort of stop getting involved as a business owner so for example would it be my job do you think should, should i say right well i'm going to come up with all the content ideas and i'm going to let them run wild and make that happen or should i just say this is my blog this is this is my niche this is who i serve off you go and let them come up with the content sort of concepts at what point do you sort of relinquish control i suppose well again i think it depends on the person, the content um, manager uh, slash the person that you outsource to, I think it depends on how well they understand your industry. So, um, for example, if you're in a you know an industry such as financial services or IT, um, unless your content manager has got a really sound idea of that industry and what your audience needs to know and wants to know from you, then I think it's a good idea, at least at first, to um, 
have your own strategy in place. That said, you will find some um, you know, content managers who will, first of all, before they start working on any content for you, they will do a strategy for you and they would then spend time researching your industry, um, your audience to, to put a strategy together for you, which might include things like, um, you know, this is a list of potential blog posts over the next 12 months. Mm. Um, each each client each person likes to do things differently some people do just want to hand over everything you know right from the strategy side of things to the doing and others actually know the kind of thing that most i would say most of the people that i work with know what they want to be creating content about and they probably mm. do already know that each specific view, uh, youtube video they're going to be creating or each podcast episode title or whatever um, and they just want then somebody to create the content around that um yeah but some people as i say do want um you know the, the full shebang and you will be able to find people who will do that for you from all the way from the start to finish and obviously all of that is usually informed by this 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 style or brand guide or yeah this sort of style guide isn't it so what are your hints in terms of what are the elements that need to be inside of a style guide that we're able to, so we, we need to have this style guide pretty much prepared. We, we know it, we feel it. Like when we're writing our stuff, we, we can feel our brand because we are usually writing it before we outsource it. But we've got to get the pen to paper. We've got to figure out what are the categories of the things that we've got to communicate in this style guide. So what's got to be in there so we can do a really effective job of giving this outsource person a real good chance of doing a great job and keeping it all on, on brand for us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you can go really detailed with this, but the key things really are, you know, for example, are you, um, do you use UK English or American English? Um, so that's going to affect what spellings you use. Um, so basic, but really things that people would really notice if that was wrong. They would think, hmm, is it well, If you're, for example, from Newcastle, will you use naughty <laughs> slang and stuff like that? Or, or will you not? I mean, that kind of stuff's important, though, all, all kidding aside. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, you know, there are going to be people who, you know, have used specific parts of, of grammar, such as do they use kind of ellipses quite a bit, you know, the three little dots. Um, you know, do they tend to sort of try and incorporate speech into their emails or um, the blog? So, you know, literally, you know, people's speech within uh, within speech marks and things like that. Um but also I think as well, making it clear. So for example, some people with their emails, they write really long emails. Some people write with, in huge chunks of paragraphs. Other people, which is much more common now, prefer to write just you know, one line sentences and it's all quite, um, quite sparse and spread out and easy to kind of scan. Um, so yeah, and it's just looking at you know, your kind of phrases really and, and any particular words that seem to recur throughout, throughout your content really. Um, and just trying to pass all that across. And this is the kind of thing that does need to be written down. As I say, some of the things that you would brief are, are fantastic on video tutorials and, um, and little briefs about your thoughts on things. But things like that need to be obviously for obvious reasons in written, written format. I love that. So let's look at the one of the big places that content outsourcing of anything, actually, not just content, but the outsourcing of anything can fall down is in the comms channels. Mm. Is uh, where is everything? 
I would love to hear what your personal preferred system, I know you work with lots of different clients mm-hmm. who I'm sure work in different ways, but what's like the best system? Because for me, the way we do it here at Response Week, we have a whole bunch of different people who do different elements, even just for the podcast. We have mm-hmm. one person doing outreach, then we have one person doing show notes, then we have a person doing, doing the, the graphic design, then we have the person who does the publishing, then we've got us, and then we've got the guests. We've got like seven people, six or seven people involved in just each episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So we have to have a real process we go through. We've got ours. Mm-hmm. I'm absolutely gagging to hear mm-hmm. what is a really good process, including the tools that you use and what yeah. those things look like. So we can like literally go out there and when we go out with that outsourcer, we're not going to look like unprepared pillocks. Mm-hmm. We're going to look like we've really done this before. We really know our stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, this is like my favourite um, topic to geek out on. I just love oh, talking I'm just, about I'm just it. Up and take notes then. Go ahead, Natalie. I just love, I think this is the key to all of it. You know, yes, you've got to find the right person. Yes, you've got to give a great brief. But if you do not have systems and processes in place, and if you're already in a pickle before you bring somebody else on board, then it's not going to go well. <laughs> so I think before even thinking about outsourcing, it's getting clear on what you currently do. How does it currently work? So a lot of people try and overcomplicate this. Um, and obviously there's, there's tools such as, you know, Trello and Asana, which are fantastic and they are, you know, they're very sophisticated and they have such great capability, but it doesn't have to be that complicated. So all you really need to do is, as I sort of touched on before, when I was saying, look at the things that you can outsource, that you can give to other people and literally just write them all down and do that with all of your systems and processes. So in, for example, if you produce a weekly podcast, just get, um, use Google Drive. I love Google Drive for everything. Um, but just open up a Google Sheet and literally just make a workflow. Just make, um, you know, for each column, uh, each little task. You know, there might be 15, 20, even 30 of these little steps for one piece of content production. But just but just do it. And then something like that can then be color-coded to show whether it's you, who is the, the person outsourcing the content that, that is responsible for that part and does it, and whether that's the, the outsourcer or which different members of the team it is. So yes, something like that, that process can be then incorporated into a different platform, um, such as Trello or Asana, but just start at that basic level of just putting it and laying it all out there visually. Um, I think that that is the key Um, and it's finding the right platforms to then bring other people in. So I, like I mentioned before, I love Google Drive. I love being able to share folders with different members of the team. Um, I am sure there are plenty of other tools and software out there that can do it for you. But as I say, it doesn't need to be too complicated. Um, And also establishing, as you, you mentioned, the you know, communication, communication, not just between yourself and your clients, but yourself and members of the team. So is it best to do everything over email or do you need to look at maybe something like Slack um, where you can just, you know, ping messages between the team or, or even Facebook Messenger. People feel differently about Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp. I feel very differently about it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, actually, for some people that I work with, they, they want to just be able to just ping little messages backwards and forwards. Um, mm. So I think it's about, yeah, just getting really clear on each little step in as much detail, what, you know, for the process for your own business, but also for your clients as well, for your client work. So if you're looking to outsource part of your client work, you need to have an exact process written out and, and laid out for each client exact steps that you go through on a weekly basis or on an ad hoc basis just whenever you're doing content for them. Um, so 
these are the things that are going to make a real solid foundation for a great working relationship going forward because it's going to be easy for everybody. Very cool. I know one of the mistakes that I've made in the past with outsourcing stuff generally is mm-hmm. the difference between outsourcing something and abdicating something. And I've regularly taken on a professional who's great at doing the thing. Locked them in a cupboard and said, get on with it. And them. said, right, off you go. I'll see you next year. Mm-hmm. If you need me, I'll be in Barbados. And, you know, just sort of letting them get on with it. And there's, there's two bits to that. One is that's dangerous, of course, if they then knack it up and do a bad job of it. But even mm-hmm. if they're doing a, you know, a, a swell job of it and everything's going perfectly well, it means you don't have a lot of insight or interest or knowledge about what's going on. So I suppose how much, not control exactly, but how much should we still be involved in the process in terms of, should we be, if they're going to write a blog post for us and they're going to get the design made for a feature Mm -hmm. image and they're going to put it on the blog, should we have a process where once a week we go in and look at everything and approve it all? Mm -hmm. How, How do we get the balance between making sure we keep an eye on everything, make sure it's okay, but also make sure that we are not just spending the same amount of time we would yeah. write the whole thing. Absolutely. Um, I think it's about managing expectations here um, because, of course, if you, for example, outsource your whole podcast, um, you know, uh, publishing, repurposing promotion, you might get yourself a good six, seven hours a week back. But you're not going to get about six, seven hours a week, a week back straight away because, um it would take a miracle for in that first week or even in that first two or three weeks for that you to be able to hand everything over and for everything to be perfect. Um, it, it does take time to establish that relationship and to get the processes working completely smoothly. Um, so I think I would always recommend in the first few weeks to actually agree an approval process where before the the content um, manager hits out uh, hits publish on that blog that you go in and check it first and and you need to be kind of i think it's important for you to take on that sort of quality control in the first few weeks and then you will find that after you know two three weeks certainly after that first month things will start to run really smoothly and you know most clients you know, kind of go, right, yeah, well, you know what you're doing now and, and that's fine and they can completely kind of relinquish that responsibility. But I do think a certain element of um, involvement is needed, certainly at first. It's a little bit like there's a little chain of command, a bit like back, we talked about the journalists, journalists earlier on and mm. it's like you're the editor, you're the one who presses publish and they're the one who are writing the, the article itself. So you're saving the time in that bit, but you still need to have strategic control because one of the things we talk about all the time here responsibly is that everything you do needs to be joined up. And if you've got that person out there in a silo creating beautiful blog posts, but it doesn't relate to the joined up nature of your entire marketing vision, your business plan. Mm. then it really is disjointed and you're never going to see the results that you really deserve. Mm, Exactly. And that's why, you know, one of the biggest decisions, um, you know, when you've decided that you want to outsource or you need to outsource is, is kind of what to outsource. Because like you say, it's no good outsourcing blog creation or, um, you know, it's no point outsourcing the show notes for your podcast or a full standalone blog from the podcast. If, nothing's then going to be done with it. So if that's not going to be promoted, that's kind of a waste of your investment. Um, so yes, it's about thinking, well, can I get somebody to to create the blog from the podcast? And then do I need to then get somebody different to help me with the promotion? 
or could that person who's created the content actually do the promotion and repurposing and everything as well? Um, so yeah, absolutely. It's about thinking about the bigger picture and and what you need beyond that sort of initial first step of what you think you might want to outsource. Right, very great. Makes right. a lot of sense. Now, Natalie, we're going to interrupt proceedings for the second mm. time in this episode. <laughs> they are final and favourite. That game. was a mischievous laugh. No. <gasps> Here's how it works. My colleague Kennedy here. Hello. That's him. He's going to sing a song for you now, Natalie. And as you know, he's going to sing that song in the style of a traditional British pub singer, which means that some of the words will be hard to understand. Your job, and of course, dear listeners at home, your job too, is to simply guess what song Kennedy sings. So Kennedy, take it away. If I didn't know, if I hadn't picked it, I would have no idea what that was. I have not got a clue, but it's hilarious. There was a bit of the chorus sounded a bit like uh, the Proclaimers, 500 miles. Really? Yeah, Yeah, it wasn't. (laughs) <laughs> what was it? Do I get to know? Mm. It was actually, and uh, the, it was actually Spice Girls, Spice Up Your Life. Obviously. Right. Give us the uh, colours of the world again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now you know, it's, it's, it's bang on obvious, I was waiting it? for you to do that. Hi, Sija, Hoja. Well, Natalie, let's uh, jump over into what we lovingly refer to as the quick fire round. Hey. You don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. What would be a book you'd recommend? Um, I Know How She Does It by Laura Vanderkam. Okay, excellent. Uh, Can you give us your top success habit, something you do daily or weekly or regularly? Getting out away from my desk to get fresh air, whether it be walking, running or horse riding. Okay, and which entrepreneur or business person do you look up to? Andrew Davis, who also happens to be a lovely client of mine, but I just think he is, well, the definition of a thought leader and a very, very clever man. Hmm. What are your favorite apps that you think are super cool right now? I've really struggled with this one, I'll be honest, because I'm not a huge app person. So I really struggle. So the best I can come up with is Pinterest. I mean, that's rubbish. I knew somebody liked it. Is it you? (laughs) I knew somebody in the world must be using Pinterest and it turns out it's you. I can't even actually say I, work, I use it on a work-related basis. It's more for when I'm... Just like it. Well, that's all right. You're allowed yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, big important question. Who do you like more, red-haired Rob or platinum-haired Kennedy? I refuse to answer the question. And there's not really anything you can do about it. You could say, oh, well, we're just not going to publish the podcast, but I would just go, fine. I'm just not going to answer the question. <laughs> all right. Um, She's stubborn. She's, She's invoking that amendment yeah. about making no comment. I say, yeah, <laughs> it is. Finally, most importantly, where can people go to find out more about you and everything you, that you do? Uh, the website is hotcontent.co.uk. There's quite a lot of information on there and on the services page about the kind of things that I offer. And then other than that, I am on all the normal social media platforms, but I'm mainly loving Instagram at the moment and I am hotcontent.uk on most of the platforms. Fabulous. Love that. Thank you for that. Really interesting to find out how you're doing that, all that outsourcing, what we should be aware of. Loads of value there. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Pick what you're good at. Do that. Do that. The stuff you're not good at or the stuff you really don't enjoy, don't do that. Yeah. Get somebody else to do it who does enjoy it. Make their life more fulfilling. Sounds a bit like bigging up there, but I love it. 
Very, very cool. It's got a great approach to it all. And uh, yeah, really, very, very cool. Now, if you want to check out any of the show notes from any of this stuff, where do they go? It's blog.responsesweet.com slash 087. Now, of course, if you did enjoy this episode, which I know you did, uh, then make sure you go and leave us a little review on the old iTunes or your favourite podcast player. We'd love to hear your feedback, both on this episode of this podcast and also on the brand new email marketing show as well. Thank you for everybody who's joining us over on the email marketing show. We're loving it, so go and check us out. We'll teach you everything we know to make your email marketing better for your customers and subscribers create deeper and better relationships with them and allow you to build your business on your own land with data you actually own. There we go. So we'll see you over there and we'll see you right back here next week for next week's episode of Three Marketers. Don't miss a thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com.